Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This message comes from sponsor Constant Contact, helping small businesses and nonprofits stay connected with customers, grow their audience, and do more business. With email marketing, list growth tools, automation, contact management, social ads, and more, Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits reach their goals faster. An easy-to-use interface and thousands of integrations deliver big marketing results. Start your free trial at ConstantContact.com. The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida, KOHI AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon, KHRO AM 1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net or call toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host. I'm your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and of course, Exxon TV. If you'd like to give us a call toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. We're going to be talking about Reef Rescue this first hour. Uh, Dirk Beckman is my guest, and he is the director of the Reef Rescue Foundation in British Columbia, Canada. And joining me from his office in BC is Dirk Beckman. Dirk, welcome to the Exxon. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Dirk, tell us about uh, the Rescue Foundation. Well, the the Reef Rescue Foundation considers uh, its mission to be the rescue and conservation of our existing reefs, as well as the creation of new or sometimes called artificial reefs uh, around the world. But uh, to do that... uh, there, there's a lot of things that hang on to that mm-hmm. little thing because uh, on one hand, and I'll get back, uh, we'll, we'll get into uh, what, what reef creation and so on actually is uh, in a moment. But uh, to say it up front, you, you can't really on one hand fix something and then on the other hand, uh, as you're trying to fix something in the front, you know, walk backwards mm-hmm. and, and make a mess behind you. So you can't really create reefs on one hand to fix things and help the oceans and, and therefore ourselves and at the same time leave all the other issues on, and uh, not talk about all the other issues that really brought us to the problems that our oceans are having at this point. And so when we say our mission is to create reefs or help the existing reefs and or help the existing reefs, we really also need to address all the other concerns and issues that are facing our uh, our planet at this point because they all have a bearing on reefs. They, the, our ecology, our nature mm-hmm. is all interrelated. And so we really need to, as part of uh, our reef issues, we really, really need to address address everything. Uh, and uh, so a lot of our uh, focus then, uh, while we are planning our reefs mm-hmm. and uh, planning our artificial reefs, a lot of the focus during that time has to be uh, really on education, uh, educating the public that uh, about our uh, the issues that face our environment in totality and why that uh, has a bearing on our reefs and therefore directly on our lives. Dirk, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Please stand by. Exonation. Dirk Beckman is our very special guest this hour. He is with the Reef Rescue Foundation. Their website is www.reefrescuefoundation.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon starts for today, Wednesday, August the 18th in the year 2010 from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea, darling, it's better down where it's wet and take it from me. I'm on the shore, they work all day, out in the sun, they slave away, while we be boating full time, you floating under the sea. <laughs> down you are, the fish is Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. Our very special guest this hour, all the way from British Columbia, Canada, is Dirk Beckman. He is the gentleman behind Reef Rescue Foundation. Their website is www.reefrescuefoundation.com. And I think, Dirk, uh, since the Gulf oil disaster, people are taking a more serious look at what is happening beneath the waves and how, you know, Everything affects everything, especially to one of our richest resources, which is the ocean and the seas and the waters. Yeah, that that is correct. And, uh, you know, you I mean, as much as I, of course, as anyone uh, can sit back and say this is a disaster mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it's terrible what happened. I, I, I cannot help but sit back and say, you know, maybe that is just what we needed, a wake-up call for everyone to really listen up and and take a little bit more notice about what's going on with our oceans because they've been largely ignored. Uh, one of the richest resources there is for us and one of the ones that has suffered, uh, as uh, you know, just hugely, greatly over the last 40 years. And there's a bunch of reason for it. One of, one of the things that people always say to me when I, when I talk to them uh, is, or what I hear very often is, well, you know, in the 50s, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, 40 years ago, we didn't have these problems. Uh, absolutely right, we didn't. But here's the thing. In 1960, there was only 3 billion people on the planet. Since 1960, we have actually more than doubled the global population. We are now almost 7 billion people. So where it took about 124 years between 1804 and 1927, 124 years to double from 1 billion to 2 billion on the planet, we have doubled from 3 billion, more than doubled from 3 billion between 1950, sorry, 1960 uh, to 2010. And that is a huge problem because at the same time our global resources have shrunk by about 40 percent and at the same time as all of this happened the phytoplankton biomass which is in the ocean i get in a moment i get to what this is the phytoplankton biomass uh, in the ocean has shrunk by about 40 percent since 1950 now what is phytoplankton and why is it important well let me tell you this phytoplankton has three important reasons the three main reasons in the ocean phytoplankton is a microscopic algae 
that forms the basis of the marine food chain and produce much of the world oxygen. You see, about 70% of the world's oxygen is actually created by our oceans, not by the trees. The trees are Yes, they produce some of it in a manner of cleaning the air and so on. But about 70% of the world's oxygen is created by this phytoplankton in the ocean. And if we keep on shrinking this and if we keep on messing up our oceans, then eventually that oxygen production will come down to the point where we as human beings have a large problem because we breathe uh, as part of the air that we breathe. About 21% of that is oxygen. And it is also, again, this phytoplankton is the bottom of the food chain. And that means that, a lo uh, of course, a lot of the fish in the ocean mm -hmm. eat this phytoplankton. Uh, and then, of course, uh, larger fish eat smaller fish. Eventually, it, 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 well, it's part of our, our food chain. Uh, it is reported, and again, when I mention these numbers, you know, like 70% of the oxygen is created by the oceans or whatever, these are, of course, uh, there's different numbers out there when you do some research online, when people look it up, there's different numbers out there. So I'm kind of using medium numbers. Okay, that's, that's uh, fair. If, you know, I think that's the fairest way. Sure. For example, I'll give you an example right now with the oxygen. When you do some research online, you find that anywhere numbers I mentioned, anywhere from 60 to 90%. Uh, since 70% of our planet is covered by oceans, I think to use the number 70% right in the middle somewhere is an adequate number or at least close enough to the truth. Uh, and uh, so that's why I'm using the kind of numbers that I'm using them. I'm always trying to kind of find the medium one. Now, uh, yeah. now you yourself, you know, you were born in Germany in 1964. You were educated in Germany. You've traveled extensively around the world. You've been in the hospitality industry. But then in 1987, you got involved into environmental technology. Why? Well, I got involved in environmental technology because uh, through some of the people I met through the, the various uh, jobs and careers I was doing, especially in the hospitality industry, you get, a lot, you get to meet a lot of interesting mm -hmm. people. Of course, I was working for an international hotel chain in uh, uh, marketing, for example. And I met uh, through various congresses and whatnot uh, some of the people that were involved back then even and earlier uh, in uh, environmental technology and creating and researching and producing environmental technology because they were back then already realizing, scientists were back then already realizing that we're heading for some major problems. And uh, the solutions that were created then are just as valid today as they were back then. And still, uh, most of this technology that has been developed 20, 25 years ago is still not in major use today. In other words, we're about 20 to 25 years ahead in having technology developed that can really cure the most biggest or the biggest problems we have, but we're not using it. We're not, we're not actually using these technologies. Why not? And while we're not using them, I think partially is greed, partially, uh, it, well, it, it comes down to money. Let's, let's be honest about it. Most of it resolves, uh, revolves around money. And uh, companies who are polluting have a vested interest in not spending that money because they always come up, and I'm sure you've heard this before, they have a fiduciary uh, responsibility to their shareholders. What that really means is that they have to, the responsibility to be as greedy as possible so they can stuff more money to the shareholders. Yeah, let, let me put it another way. They just want to make money they don't give a damn about the planet 
Right, but the problem is that the whole thing is really short-sighted because it is the very shareholders in the end that will also suffer the consequences uh, that they will ha- won't have jobs, that they won't have a planet that they call, call, can call home if we continue this way. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a very, very short-sighted process uh, to you ignore the problems that we have. And in order to continue ignoring them, of course, they'll come out and they'll, they'll pay for research that uses truisms and true facts, but distorted facts in order to basically uh, pat everybody on the head and say, now, now, it's all okay. Let's just continue as we are. We don't have to change. It's all okay. And we are so, as a as the public, we are all so gullible to believe it because, of course, if everything is okay, then we do not need to change. Well, you know what? I'd like to disagree yeah. with you there because I, I think prior to the events in the Gulf of Mexico with BP, I would have agreed with you. However, now right. after people have seen what exactly is happening and they're not and- buying the marketing bull that BP was putting out there into the way that the people in the Gulf states actually – went to bat for their for their uh, for their uh, for their uh, their industries as well as for yep. the planet I don't think that's Absolutely. the case anymore. But this is what I just – this is why I said I'm, I'm – as, as much as I hate mm-hmm. this disaster as anyone else, it, it's – one can almost, almost yeah. say – Maybe that's what we needed. Maybe it took that to to shock us awake, to rock us awake as a general, uh, you know, everyone included. Everyone but why, why don't why do you think pro- that didn't work with the Exxon Valdez? Uh, you know what? Uh, because again, it's out of sight, out of mind. Uh, there's a few things that uh, you know are uh, evident with with that statement. For example, let me give you uh, the example: how much garbage we create, and this is. Uh, household garbage that uh, on a daily basis uh, in in North America, we mm-hmm. create uh, g- enough garbage to fill a train that is roughly 230 miles long. That's every day, every single day. And that actually would wrap around the planet about three and a half times, three to three and a half times. Uh, you could wrap this train around the earth in a year. And this is all garbage, for the most part, that ends up in landfills. And when it up in, ends up in landfills, that material that's sitting there, what we call garbage, is actually a resource that could be used to produce power, that could be re- used to completely reduce it by 98% and getting all of the resources back. Instead, it ends up in landfills. It then ends up in our soil, in our food, in our water supply, in our rivers and lakes. And eventually, guess what the lowest water table is? It's our oceans. And it has a direct or an indirect effect mm-hmm. on our health, on our life, because about 40% of the Earth's food supply comes out of the ocean as well. Now, aren't, the oceans, most, aren't the oceans being overfished these days as well? That is another thing. Yes, it's another reason why reef creation and creating safe zones around these reefs is actually one of the most important things we can do. If we, you see, I'm sure that some people have heard about these dead zones that you now have in the ocean. And so now what we need to do in order to combat that is to create safe zones, to create as many reefs as possible and as many safe zones as we can so that these safe zones eventually will produce enough fish to restock our fishing grounds and we need and once we do that we will literally produce fish helping our oceans produce fish and therefore food for us think about it this way if a farmer would simply get the crops and not replant reseed 
there would be nothing left the next year. There would be no new crops. Exactly. So what do farmers do? They plant. Mm -hmm. Every year they plant more. We have simply gone to our oceans and taken, 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 and we have done absolutely nothing to restock our oceans. But, what, what, been... but what about these, these countries that have these massive factories uh, that, that sail around the world, scoffing every kind of sea life that they can? They really don't uh, give a damn about replenishing the, the stock. They just want to take, 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 and they give nothing back in return. So how are you going to enforce the farming aspect if not everybody's on board? Well, you can uh, you can do it by creating safe zones around every in, within the six mile limit of every nation on Earth. Mm -hmm. That is where we then police it and keep fishing out. By creating these safe zones around our countries, and if everybody gets on board and does that, but the, the sooner the better, we will then restock the fishing grounds. We can keep people out of fishing away from our uh, from from the from our country's borders. Sure, within our jurisdiction, within our jurisdictional Absolutely. boundaries, yes. Absolutely. But outside, where there's a massive fishing, the fish right. won't stay within the six mile limit. No, but what I'm saying is... All right, listen, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Dirk Beckman is our guest. www. You ready for this? ReefRescueFoundation.com. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www www.exoneradiotv.com Explanation, Dirk Beckman is our special guest. He is with the Reef Rescue Foundation. His website is www.reefrescuefoundation.com. Dirk, before we went to the commercial break in the news at the bottom of the hour, we were talking about the six-mile limit. And you know what? It would be great for all the countries to repopulate the the sea where they do the fishing with, with smaller fish that we could actually keep the keep the fish fishing schools going however how do we keep the fish within the six mile limit that we could actually police 
we, we don't need to. Uh, what we need to simply do is let nature take its course. Eventually, as the eventually as the reefs and the safe zones that we do create produce mm-hmm. enough fish, those fish will go out, of course, and that's fine. That's not a problem. All we need to do is have these safe zones where we don't fish, so that these areas can become the production zone, if you want, of the beautiful conveyor belt that we that we have and that we use out there. And that's really not a problem. We don't need to. We only need to police our safe zones and make sure that the safe zones stay exactly that safe. Uh, once these zones become populated enough with fish, fish will move out. I'll give you an example. Sure. Uh, here in British Columbia, we have uh, sunk quite a few of these reefs, and that's the Artificial Reef Society of British Columbia that has done a marvelous job in doing so. And two of these reefs were placed very close together. Uh, they were only 300 feet apart. And while one of these reefs uh, saw a lot of marine life coming and growing, and the reef was getting quite big and beautiful, Uh, The other ship saw almost virtually nothing for quite a few years. Now, once that first wreck, though, was full, all of a sudden you had the spillover, and now the second reef is developing. Uh, Fish are amazing in that sense. uh, They're just as much, I would say, animals that like to stay together like we as human beings are. They're, they're, they're pack animals, I guess, in a way. They stay on that when one find finally the room is not, there's not enough room anymore to have a living space, they'll go somewhere else. And that will happen with any safe zone we create around the world, with any reef we can create around the world. Uh, New Zealand has created some of these safe zones and they have seen amazing things happen within a short time span of about seven years where areas that had been completely barren and dead. The reefs had been just virtually destroyed after seven years that had completely recovered and was getting big enough now to produce fish which would head out of that area and of course get out, which is fine. Again, we only need to police the areas surrounding because they're in, in, in essence, again, they would be the production zone to restock our oceans. If it so is if, if it if it is that easy, why don't the country, the countries that are responsible for overfishing the seas join this program and start repopulate repopulating the the seas with fish instead of just taking them out? Well, because really, it hasn't been a popular thing to get into. I, you know, it's political will, but it's in essence, again, it comes down. Let's put the buck where the buck stops with us, with us as the population. Uh, you know, it hasn't been sexy to talk about reef education or oceans mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, yes, there were shows like Flipper and there's shows that Disney puts on like The Little Mermaid and, other, and that's all good, but it's not enough. Really, here's here's the thing. Uh, as much as we have... All our, we all have our responsibilities. I guess I should start there. Uh, you know, we have to take care of our families. Mm-hmm. Number one, we have to take care of our jobs. We have to make the money to bring in and 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 uh, of course, uh, feed our families, etc. And we all have less and less time available. So of course, taking on the task of doing something for our environment is one that gets largely ignored by not necessarily not necessarily by choice, but by necessity. But here's the thing. Uh, the same way uh, that we 
pay someone to do mow our lawn or wash the car or do our laundry or clean the house or do any of the other things that we don't want to do, the same way we should think about taking care of our environment as yet another task on our task list. And if we can't do it ourselves, we have to pay someone to do it. But we already do means, pay somebody. Yeah. We already do pay people to take care of this. And that's the government. That's the Coast Guard. That's the Fisheries Department. That's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. That's the Department of National Defense. How much more yeah. do we have to take out of our pockets? Well, the, you would think that it is, but it isn't because the, large, the public pressure isn't there either. And uh, a lot of people might sit back and say, you know, I don't want to pay any extra for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one thing. And But we're still they're still not getting involved in the process of pushing and the process of prodding and forcing the government to do something. And what, that, what I mean by that is, for example, anyone could go out there, spend 15 minutes and become part as a, as a member, become a member in any of the thousands of organizations around our planet that take care of our, of our environment. And I hope as one of them, people would choose us, of course. But if you, if you don't particularly care about our ocean, then, you know, get involved in saving the spotted owl or get involved in saving our forest or any, I could even say three or four or five of the many organizations become a member, even if it's a free member. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, what that means is eventually as these organizations grow in membership, they can now uh, put petitions together that members can simply sign by opting in. And these petitions can be forwarded to the government. And the government eventually has to do something when these petitions keep flying in the, in the door. They cannot ignore it anymore. And if they really truly, just for a second here, let's assume that they would really be so blatantly ignoring these petitions when they're, that are mil they're signed by millions and millions of members out there, even if they're free members, even if that were to happen, then we would, as organizations, I'm not just talking about Reef Rescue here, I'm talking about any of, all of these organizations, we would have such a major pull in our, in our society that we could sit back and say, you know what, we're not going to support you guys anymore. We're going to support Joe here, who is going to run for, for, for a public office, and he's going to run on a green platform, and we're going to throw our weight and our support behind that person. And that would bring change. So we, as a society have ignored it by absence. We have ignored it by simply saying, well, there's an organization, the government, who should take care of this and we leave it in their hands. Well, you know how that works. We leave it in someone else's hand. Don't be surprised if nothing happens. We have to become actively involved. And I don't mean run on the streets and demonstrate mm -hmm. necessarily because that unfortunately also has often has some negative impacts because people are who demonstrate are viewed as just troublemakers. But I'm talking about a silent, not a silent, uh, a, a, an active involvement that cannot be seen as aggressive. Uh, we, being aggressive doesn't get us anywhere. You no, know, ask, uh, ask the people at Greenpeace if that gets them anywhere. It doesn't. Well, this is it. it. I mean, it's also, and at the same way, it doesn't help us to always blame, you know, the oil companies or mm -hmm. the gas company or, you know, the cigarette companies or whatever. It doesn't help us to always lay blame and start screaming because we as a society are part of the problem. And, and what I mean by that is take, for instance, the cigarette industry just for a moment. They have done a marvelous thing. And give, let's get, get, give credit where credit is due. They knew 10, 15 years ago that eventually the jig was going to be up, that their product would be you know, uh, less used or even outlawed. And they invested and divested themselves in many other businesses around the world. And they are now, even if we would all stop smoking tomorrow, they would be just as viable a concern or business as they were before now in many other businesses. We as a society 
can simply say, oh, we're going to, we have, need to stop using gas and we need to get rid of the oil companies. doesn't work that way because unless we want to go back to the Stone Age and live in caves, it is just as unrealistic. No, no, no. But and, listen, but listen here, listen here. If, if you were right. to do the same thing with the oil companies that you're talking about doing for the environment, you would force somebody to come up with alternative uh, alternative fuels, alternative ways and, of motivation. Get rid of the fossil fuel industry. You can make a difference. So it just exactly. doesn't work with the environment. Exactly. And that's my point. What we need to do is all become actively involved to force that change in a gentle manner so that over the next 5, 10, 15 years, we can wean ourselves uh, off the fossil fuels, get involved in alternative energies, and let these companies who are now producing energy through fossil fuels, let them mm -hmm. be able to get and switch so that they can be part of the solution. Because there's a lot of people who work for these companies, and they all have families, and they all need to make money. But at the same time, we can't ignore it anymore. And that means that people out there, they all need to get involved. And it doesn't take very much. It takes, you know, 15, 20 minutes to sign up with four or five, comp four, four, four or five organizations that are closest to your heart. Whoever's listening out there, again, it doesn't matter if it's the saving the spotted oil, saving our ocean mm -hmm. or uh, our, sorry, or saving our ocean and hopefully become part of the Reef Rescue Foundation or, or saving the forest. Become involved. Get involved. Become a member. And if you have a job and if you have income then you know asking someone to pay at least for one membership in one of these organizations isn't too much to ask what's ten dollars out of someone's pocket every month who's working well, really, so, well that's 120 dollars a year and when you've got three or four kids you're working two jobs the cost of gasoline the increased cost of food absolutely it all adds then up it, it adds up, and if you can't afford it, by all means, go and become a free member. I'm not saying you have to support us financially. I'm saying if you can. And when we when we look at what we what we spend in a in a in a monthly basis in a in our budgets, and we all I know we all have to take care of our families first. But you know how many lattes do we buy? How many uh, how many slurpees do we buy and whatnot? Ten dollars isn't that much on the balance out of someone's budget in a month. And if again, if they truly can't afford it, you know what? A free membership will do wonders because when it comes two petitions and you have a few million members even if they're free members that makes a huge impact and if again if people can't afford it then they should look at this task of supporting environmental causes just as much and as another task of paying for someone cleaning your house and let's face it if you can pay someone to clean your house you have 10 bucks over a month to you know help at environmental causes as well of course if you can't afford that then obviously again a free membership will do the trick but we need to do something we need to help we need to become involved either as a free membership or as a paying membership but involved we must become you know people are getting everyone going into their pockets these days and i'm not talking about yep. organizations like yours you know like the government just here in canada you've got the hst now which is which is um, you know a, a drain on public on the public and you know you look at the government saying all right if i'm giving you all this extra money what do you have to show for it you know it's nice that you give 33 million dollars to pakistan but what about the needs here in our own country like saving the reef like policing the international waters this is why people get so frustrated, Dirk, is because your hard-earned taxes, which are approximately 33% of what you make yeah. on your salary, goes to yeah. the government. 
And then you're taxed on top of tax, on top of tax, on top of tax. You would think that, that organizations like yours would receive the recognition from the government's that they don't. You know, and, and like I said, it's the Fisheries Department, it's the RCMP, it's the Department of National Defense and the Coast Guard who are responsible for policing the six-mile limit. Yeah. You know, and, and where does it stop for John Q. Public? Well, the thing is, uh, you know, this goes right back to that, uh, well, let me give an example. We, we've, we've had some, uh, you know, re, uh, co- we've been contacted uh, by interests who would say, you know, we would we would finance this, uh, but uh, you know, of course, depending on who you take as a partner there, then you're beholden uh, to them to make a profit, mm-hmm. and this has to be this this can't happen because if we need to if we start doing that, then eventually uh, we'll have to make shortcuts or take shortcuts in order to accomplish this profit goal that investments into, for example, the Reef Rescue Foundation or any other organization that works in environmental causes uh, would produce. And we can't do that. So we have to stay away from taking these type of partners. And that would bring me to, of course, and I mean, everybody's brought that uh, brought that up at, at points. Uh, how are our government campaigns financed? By the sheer simple fact that so much of it is financed by corporations, those corporations have pull when it comes to government. Mm-hmm. And we all need to realize that. It's just the nature of the game. So looking to our government to do things that we want done as people and as a, as a large populace, well, it doesn't work that way unless we can go and bring out these petitions by the boatload and have the membership, again, not just Reef Rescue Foundation, but all the other organizations out there, we need the membership all together to have that pull, bring these petitions forward and say, look, we have 20 million members combined and they all say you, the government, should be doing this. Can the government eventually ignore that? No, they can't. They'll have to act on it, even if it goes beyond uh, or even if it goes against what the pub, what the commercial interests are. They'll have to eventually listen to the people. Oh, sure. Now, they'll if, listen. They'll listen to the people, but whether or not they act on what the people want ex- is a totally right. different story. Listen, right. you and so I have I, to take our commercial break. Please stand okay. by. Dirk Beckman is our guest. He is the gentleman behind the Reef Rescue Foundation. Their website is www reefrescuefoundation.com My name is Rob McConnell This is the Exxon I'll be back on the other side of this break Don't go away
Exxon Nation, Dirk Beckman is our guest. He is the founder of the Reef, uh, the Reef Rescue Foundation. Their website is www. Uh, I'm sorry, www.reefrescuefoundation.com. My goodness, it's hump day. No wonder I, <laughs> the brain is all thinking one thing, the mouth is going the other way. Dirk, first of all, thanks very much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. But you, my friend, are on an uphill battle until people get on board and say, hey, listen, we want to be part of the solution instead of the problem. How can people get actively involved with the uh, Reef Rescue Foundation if they live in the middle of Canada where there is no uh, ocean coast? Well, it, uh, it affects all of us. Social change isn't easy. It doesn't come uh, overnight. But uh, everyone can go, uh, literally anyone can go to our website, even sign up for a free membership and be ready when those uh, petitions are coming once we have a large enough membership for these petitions to matter. Second, for paid memberships, we offer uh, a free mask snorkel fin sets for people who go snorkeling on their holidays. They can take get that. We'll, we'll make something available. Mm-hmm. We also make available resources uh, for people if they want to get involved in, in clean energy, maybe even have their own solar panels, put their own solar panels together and whatnot. We also will in the future uh, very soon make a, uh, a portion of our website available to those companies who actually uh, actively get involved in making a difference. For example, let me take you take, get, go there very quickly. Johnson & Johnson, everybody knows the company. They're one of the biggest companies out there who now use solar energy systems to create a large portion of the power and energy they need and use. And they have done other things. They're getting involved in many other ways on how to create clean energy and take care of their own garbage that they produce and so on and so on. We need as a consumer, we need to be able to give credit uh, every credit is due and support these companies by buying products and that's just one company out there we would love to hear as we're here at the reef rescue foundation we would love to hear from other companies who are out there uh, who do this these who use these kind of technologies we want to put them up on our website so that consumers can go to our website and say okay these are the companies that are doing something for our environment we're going to support them by buying their products we would also love to hear from uh, companies that produce environmental technology uh, that we could possibly use for uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, for our reefs mm-hmm. as we create these reefs and uh, also what we're working on putting together uh, like a, a congress a trade show where these companies can have a, a, a public appearance maybe like a one-week trade show in various cities around North America uh, who would uh, where the public is then invited to come and look at these technologies that they can use for their own uh, homes uh, and Dirk I hate to do this, but yeah. we've just run out of time. No I want to thank you so much for joining us. And um, ExoNation, Dirk Beckman has been my guest this hour. He's the founder of the Reef Rescue Foundation. Their website is www.reefrescuefoundation.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Don't go away. 